Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Nick Augustine, and I'm your host on this episode of Law Talk Radio, produced by Nick Augustine PR. Our 30-minute weekly guest call-in show covers local and national news and legal events, as well as legal experts and current trends in law practice management. We cover important news and issues that affect various practice areas, so get in touch and let's tell your story. Partial support for Law Talk Radio comes from our sponsor advertisers who cover our production fees. We encourage our friends and colleagues to help sponsor the production of our Law Talk Radio shows. You can send me an email for more information on sponsor plans and benefits at nick at nickaugustinepr.com. Don't forget to share the on-demand links to our episodes in your social media pages when you see something you want to share. All of our episodes and our several other programs are available at Nick Augustine PR website under the Listen Now link in the middle of the homepage. You can also visit and like and share Law Talk Radio episodes on the Law Talk Radio pages on Facebook and on Twitter. Today's show is Professional Licensing Matters with Michael V. Fabia. Michael Fabia is an Illinois professional licensing consultant among a group of highly experienced attorneys and investigators who previously worked for the Illinois Department of Professional Regulation and he represents and or defends licensed professionals in cases involving the Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation, Illinois Department of Public Aid, and Illinois Department of Public Health. Today, Attorney Fabia will tell us more about his law practice. Michael V. Fabia is a former assistant Illinois Attorney General and the Chief Prosecutor for the Illinois Department of Professional Regulation, now known as the Illinois Department of Professional and Financial Regulation, otherwise known as IDFPR. Uh, Fabia is the owner of Professional Licensing Consultant Company, where he and affiliated uh, former prosecutors, investigators, and professional licensing board members assist licensed professionals in their businesses, regulatory, and IDFPR-related matters. All right, so here are some topics we're going to talk about on today's program. We're going to uh, first get, ask Mr. Fabia to tell us a little bit about himself and about the Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation. Then we'll talk about some common issues professionals experience when addressing IDFPR issues. Then we'll talk about, as a professional licensing attorney, what roles uh, Mr. Fabia plays when working with clients. Then we'll talk about some proactive measures professionals can take to better manage their risk. Finally, we'll round out our 30-minute show today with some 10 short tips for responding to an IDFPR investigation. By way of short disclaimer, before we get going, this is a general information program, and the advice shared on this show does not constitute legal advice. Communication with attorney guests among guests and callers on our shows cannot give rise to attorney-client relationships. If you have questions, you should consult an attorney in your area. All broadcast rights are reserved. All right, so without further ado, I'd like to welcome my guest, Michael V. Fabia. Hello, Nick. Thank you for having me. Hi, Mike. It's good to have you here, and I appreciate your time today. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and a little bit about the uh, Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation. Well, you you pretty much did a good job uh, going over my background (laughs) in in the introduction. I don't know what else I could add, except I could tell you a little bit more about what I'm doing now. I'm in private practice and uh, very active in the community. I'm currently sitting on the Board of Trustees at John Marshall Law School. I'm an advisor to numerous... uh, organization, medical and uh, professional organizations that seek my advice on on matters pertaining to uh, their licensing and regulations. I'm also uh, a local counsel to uh, an an entity called the uh, Sports Legacy Institute where we uh, are involved with brain concussion matters throughout the country and uh, I'm their local counsel here in Chicago. 
And uh, as I said before, I, I'm often sought by legislators to comment and uh, give advice uh, regarding les licensure issues, professional licensure issues. Uh, I am a former attorney general, assistant mm -hmm. attorney general here in Illinois, and the former chief of prosecutions uh, to the Department of Professional Regulations. Uh, currently, so, I'm in private practice, Nick. So I, mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of what I'm doing now. Yeah. So you've been. So can you talk a little bit um, for people who might not be familiar with what the organization does there? How you've sort of been on both sides? Well, uh, yeah. Let me tell you a little bit about the Department of Professional Regulations. Um, actually, this is a this is a uh, prototype that's found across the country. Almost every state has something similar to this. I will be talking mainly about Illinois, but if you go throughout the country, almost every state has something similar to an agency that regulates their professionals. Some states uh, have their, like Illinois, have their own attorneys on staff, which is what I did, and some states use the attorney general's office to handle these types of cases. Uh, in Illinois, the department is broken up in two main parts, two main divisions. There's a licensing and testing division where, as you might imagine, a new potential licensee applies. I'll give you an example. A doctor uh, wants to come in and practice in Illinois. They apply for a license. There's some exams that need to be taken. And if they pass and the application is accepted by the licensing board pertaining to that profession, uh, they are issued a license and, and then they are able to practice. Uh, and so they have a whole division that deals with anything pertaining to licensure matters. Now, sometimes attorneys get involved in those cases because uh, – Again, give me another example, Nick. A, uh, a doctor who may have had uh, DUI problems before he applied for, for his licensure. Well, the application, if he's truthful on it, which he should be, um, might, you know, will indicate he's had these issues because they'll ask about any prior arrests, any other prior disciplines across the country. And if something is red flag, they will, the department will bring him in before uh, their licensing board. Uh, with a prosecutor in tail and uh, ask questions about uh, what happened in the previous life. Hopefully they're not still having DUIs. And this is across the board for all all the professions. Here in Illinois, uh, there are in excess of 40 different licensure statutes and rules. So they're covering statutes or professions from architects, medical personnel, doctors, nurses, uh, real estate brokers, Veteran, veterinarians and pretty much any professional license that you can think in between. Um, so they're, they're a pretty busy entity. And then there's a second division, Nick. Uh, it's the enforcement division, and that's where I actually worked because I was the chief prosecutor. And that's uh, also further broken down into an investigative uh, section where they just have investigators who look into different uh, matters, allegations, and then they have a prosecutorial team who prosecute cases that uh, require the state to revoke a licensure. So that's generally the department in a nutshell. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they really want to work with folks who are inbound to the state. Um, if someone had a, a problem or a snafu, uh, is it really that they're just trying to determine again whether that's a, a single incident or whether that's a pattern? Uh, you know, and with, with the attorneys, they talk about moral character and fitness. 
Um, is that sort of the thing that people are looking for? So to that extent, can people claim that they are rehabilitated if they had a problem? I mean, I know um, dependency issues and things, you know, can happen in people's lives. And I suppose that these folks are just working to protect the people of the state of Illinois. Um, <clears throat> should people be dissuaded if they run into a problem? Uh, and I'm thinking, well, I'm in Ohio, I want to move to Illinois, I'm worried about applying and getting a license to practice my craft in the state of Illinois because of something that happened in Ohio. So what are some of the things that um, the department looks at uh, with people in a, in a, as far as rehabilitating uh, after something has gone wrong? What types of things do they care about most? Well, those are exactly, you hit the, the main points, uh, you know, just because you've had a history doesn't mean you're not qualified to get a license, but you know you might have a higher burden on on getting the license uh, again uh, if you had issues in other states and now you're applying mm -hmm. in Illinois and this goes across the country because there's a, there's a national data bank uh, that uh, collects information on all professional licensees on the national data bank so when you're applying, not only are you filling out an application that asks this information, but as part of their process, they also check the National Data Bank. So uh, in that example you gave where someone in Ohio, a professional in Ohio, wants to come to Illinois, they fill out an application, and <clears throat> let's say they did have a, a, a personal problem, an addiction problem, and, and it rose to the point where they had to seek help, and, and it's public, and, and they need to disclose it. Uh, they will be asked about it. They will be, you know, brought usually before a, a licensing board, which is a board of their peers, same profession, and an attorney is usually there. And uh, they'll ask questions as to what happened in Ohio, how was it resolved, what's going on there now, are you still licensed, is there a problem? And then they will make their own determination whether they feel comfortable giving you a license. And sometimes they will with no restriction, and sometimes they will with some restrictions and obviously sometimes they will just say no we're not going to give you a mm -hmm. license we don't right, we right. don't uh, really want you here in Illinois <laughs> what type of restrictions yeah. might they impose well you know uh, again uh, thinking about uh, someone with an addiction issue if they in Ohio they were required to go through a program an addiction program they may want proof that uh, our our licensee has successfully complied with the terms set forth in Ohio and and not just trying to avoid Ohio because you don't want to comply with their requirements. So that sometimes right. happens. And historically, um, some professionals would hop to state to state to avoid uh, being obligated to comply with their, their state statutes. So that's really the reason they created the National Data Bank, so you really can't do that anymore. Because uh, right. one state will have a record and report it to the National Data Bank, so all the other states will know about it. So they may ask you, "What you know? What did you comply with Ohio?" I'm going back to that example you raised. Right. Uh, or they may say, "You know, we really don't think Ohio was uh, uh, diligent enough. We want you to do A, B, and C. We want you to enter a program here in Illinois, and we want you to fulfill their obligations of the program." And once you've completed that, we'll, we'll issue an unrestricted license. Maybe in the interim, we might give you a temporary or probational license. So those mm -hmm. are all, I mean, they have some flexibility there. And uh, they will work with, you know, most doctors, most professionals, 
uh, if they are otherwise very qualified. Now, I have a question about the liability on the part of the department. Does the department have liability if they allow someone through that they otherwise should have caught, so to speak? Um, I, I mean, I, I, they have been sued at times for things like that, but usually the courts, as long as the, uh, the, the department has done a fair review, I mean, they're not they're not required by the courts to, mm-hmm. to guarantee the the uh, uh, license abilities of a particular person, but you know, if it was reckless and reckless and uh, basically missing something quite obvious, they would definitely be sued. But usually, those cases don't go too far because you know you're suing the government, and that right. type of litigation is pretty difficult. How often, um, Mike, does an applicant to uh, you know, for a license, how often would they uh, have you seen them sue the state or the department um, if they don't to get try their to get a license? Yeah, yeah, it happens. That common? It's not as frequent as you might think because, again, it's it's not an easy process. The courts usually will defer to an agency that is basically licensed and mandated by by the statutes to uh, screen these particular persons. So a court is unlikely to overrule what an agency like this does. This is pretty much mm-hmm. generally across the country. Uh, again, if there's some, you know, if the plaintiff or the person that's uh, filing the lawsuit feels that the department, uh, and I'm trying to even think of an example, but basically treated me differently, a person totally different than someone else with the same set of facts, uh, you know, you might have a, a case where a court may say, you know, we want you to reconsider this case. Uh, it's very mm-hmm. rare that they'll totally overturn what the department does, though. Um, how much of this is public record? You say uh, someone said there is a similar person with a similar set of facts. How would you know that, or would you be able to determine that? Uh, is there a way that an applicant can access, or are there resources the department has available to the public? Yeah, they they maintain a website where you can look up different professions, and then you could go down... You know, years back, I'm not sure, I can't remember how many years back, but uh, mm-hmm. they do maintain a pretty good record on, on the Internet as to disciplines of other doctors, although they're not as detailed as you would think. Uh, they mm-hmm. just, they'll just typically give you a paragraph or two as to what you know the allegations are and perhaps what the department felt about it, but you're not going to get the full flavor unless you go there in person, and they do keep consent orders or any type of... Uh, agreements between the parties in a uh, public uh, library there at the department. Um, So it's available. It's not always readily available, though, to get the Mm -hmm. inside of each case. You you usually have to go there in person. Very good information. It sounds like a very interesting uh, website with all sorts of uh, information and resources. Again, something that most of us in our, um, you know, those of us, if you are not a professionally licensed uh, individual, probably wouldn't think so much about much about uh, any of this until you uh, read about a case where uh, someone has gone and run afoul and uh, you know, a doctor loses their license for some sort of malfeasance or whatnot. So, again, a very interesting practice area. We're going to pause quickly for a uh, marketing message from our sponsor. All right, today we are the sponsor 
Um, then we'll come back with Mike Fabia. want to tell you a little bit about Nick Augustine PR. It's a creative content marketing agency offering affordable monthly marketing and publicity plans to individuals and small business clients. Nick Augustine PR monthly plans focus on writing, managing social media, blogs, newsletters, and podcasts. In addition, Nick Augustine PR offers traditional copywriting and public relations services. A few of the benefits of the monthly plans we offer, our content is custom written for you and we avoid promoting your competitors. Also, as clients, email articles and ideas that we have, we share with you and uh, put on public publication calendars. Uh, Again, this keeps people engaged, spotting and sharing news and things going on. And in addition, uh, we uh, try to follow what's going on in your industry so we're learning and uh, keeping up with what's going on. Also, your clients do expect you to maintain a reasonable presence online and we're held to help maintain it for you so you can focus on your work. Uh, contact Nick Augustine at nick at nickaugustinepr.com. Again, my email is nick at nickaugustinepr.com to find out what we can do to help keep your marketing machine moving so you can focus on work. All right, back to our program with our guest today. Our guest, again, is Michael Fabio, and he is a former Illinois Attorney General, Chief Prosecutor, and worked at the Illinois Department of Professional Regulation and is now um, in private practice uh, working with professionals who experience professional licensing issues. Uh, Mike, let's talk a little bit uh, more about the roles you play when working with clients. Uh, what is a typical, if there is such a thing, uh, client interaction? What types of things do they contact you for? How do you get involved? Um, and uh, what does it look like? Sure. Sure. Uh, let me go over some of the potential issues that I see on a regular basis and, you know, probably uh, unex- with uh, some of it is obvious and some of it's not. Obviously, if a professional has been charged criminally in, in the courts, uh, you know, the department is always interested in following those cases and sometimes will, on their own, uh, initiate a summary suspension of a license, uh, depending on the type of crime you, you you have everything from as I indicated before a DUI to a sexual mol- molestation claim by a professional and and we've seen them all I've prosecuted those and I've also defended those cases so there's all types of cases that uh, come before that agency and you know they they take their business pretty serious there so you have potential criminal matters you have uh, issues of competency I mean that's pretty common too where uh, consumers or patients, depending on the profession, will make a complaint saying, "You know, I, I don't think this dentist is competent. You know, he's, uh, you know, he can't. He's pulled three teeth and he still can't find the problem. Or you know, oh. things like that. Or <laughs> yeah, it's, it's happened. Or uh, uh, you know, a, a real estate broker, for instance, uh, you know, is is handling monies and 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 you're you're not sure he's doing the right thing. You know, so you might have some ethical issues that come up. You know, is he is he pocketing the earnest money? Is he, is he, uh, you know, steering you uh, to areas that uh, he shouldn't be steering or away from areas? I mean, there's many, many, many different type of issues that come up in my practice. Uh, psychological issues are somewhat important. I'm currently representing a, uh, um, obviously, I'm not giving you names, but a. Uh, a psychiatrist who actually has psychiatric problems and has been involved in numerous incidents with the police and and patients where it's quite obvious there's something going on there. So the department initiated a summary suspension to revoke that doctor's license, and I'm representing the doctor in in you know in a way that 
protects her at the same time uh, you know obviously we don't want the doctor on on the streets who has serious serious problems so i i work with the professionals to get help uh and in the course of doing that i try to avoid any permanent uh damage to that person's ability to get back in practice once we've sought and uh, made available that help to to our patients uh, to our clients so you know part of my job is is defending as an attorney, but I also see part of my job as being a psychiatrist or, uh, <laughs> or, or an evaluator of getting professionals uh, back to where they should be, whether it's right. you know, if they have a criminal background, we try to find ways to get them back into practice. If they have psychological issues, we have pro- you know we work with them. If there's competency issues, we determine if there truly are any, and if there are, we... Uh, make sure that those are resolved so that the state feels comfortable and allows this person to practice um, in the long term. So those are kind of interesting cases that I, I do often. Um, other things, uh, diversion of drugs in some professions are pretty big deals. You know, Nurses in particular, uh, probably 75 to 80% of the nurses who are called before the agency are involved in some type of diversion issues for the mostly for themselves it's a high stress job and they're always underappreciated i love nurses uh, but unfortunately it's stressful and they have access to medication sometimes and uh, they divert it for personal use and so that becomes a problem uh, you know some typical things are basic things failure to do required uh, control you know uh, continuing education requirements mm-hmm. and uh, just basic failure to do your, your your paperwork on time, getting your renewals in on time and practicing for a period of sure. time without a license. So there's some basic standard things that I handle, but, uh, again, it's across the board, and that's why I love doing what I do. Very, very interesting stuff. Um, I suppose that there is no um, – no, <laughs> never know what's going to happen uh, – in the course of a, a day at work, uh, exactly. <laughs> always something interesting. Let's talk a little bit about definitely some not boring, uh, Nick. Definitely yeah, not exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Keeps you on your toes. Um, now, again, a lot of professionals like to try to be proactive with their clients and prevent inquiries as to their licensure and their uh, fitness to practice their craft. Sure. Uh, what are some pre- proactive measures professionals can take to better manage their risk of exposure? Well, Nick, I'm going to tell you the most <laughs> the most important advice I could give all professionals is to read the statute that licenses you and the rules that license you. I can't tell you how many times I will have a client, a professional client, come in and say, I didn't know I could not do that or, you know, you know, I never, I never heard of that before. Well, you are obligated to know the statute that licenses you, and, and it's not definitely not an excuse that you never read it before, didn't know about it, or nobody else does it. That is not an excuse. And so, if I could give any, you know, our listeners who are professionals any advice, is read your statute. They're usually online, and if not, find a copy somewhere. Uh, you should really know that pretty well. Uh, and if you're not sure, you know, get a consult. There's lawyers uh, like me across the country who specialize in this area and are very knowledgeable. And most of us will just answer a couple questions on the phone without actually even being retained. 
But, mm-hmm. you know, it's your license, and there's a lot to lose here. So it's important that you know what's in there. Um, other things are, you know, for instance, uh, if you suspect there's something irregular with some of your peers, you know, for, for instance, uh, partnerships with other members of the same profession, and there's things not looking good, they're not to your uh, um, ethical standards. Look into it. Don't just assume. Well, well, he must be okay. Uh, you know, I've known him for years. What, why would I suspect he's doing something wrong? Because you are, you know, especially if you're a part in a partnership or you're in a close business relationship, it taints you not only professionally but licensure-wise. So sometimes the agencies expect you to know what your partners are doing, and and you know, frankly, uh, not. Keeping your eyes open is not always a, a good excuse. So those are just mm-hmm. some basic things I would recommend. Good information, good suggestions. Let's talk a little bit. We have uh, just about five minutes left, Mike. Let's talk a little bit about uh, your Illinois Professional Licensing uh, website and some uh, ten short tips on what to do if you uh, encounter sure. an investigation. I created these a few years ago just uh, because people would call me and, and say, well, I just got a call from the, the department, and what do I do next? So I, I thought I would memorialize it or, or put it in, in a document form. So I have included it in my uh, web, website, and uh, yeah, we could go through it. Uh, basically, the first one is if you get a call from the department. Now, we're in the enforcement, and I'm talking about this is post uh, or during the investigation and you get a call from an investigator asking questions. I mean, you, you shouldn't just automatically panic and, and believe that it's the end of the world or you're, you've lost your license. Uh, but on the other hand, take it seriously. I mean, it could be serious, and, and some, some professionals just uh, assume that, you know, it'll go away because I, I didn't do anything wrong and ultimately find out that they didn't understand the statute or didn't read the statute and and it's determined that they did something mm-hmm. wrong. So, again, don't panic, but don't ignore them either. And make sure if they call you, respond accordingly. If it seems like it's just it's more than just a couple basic questions like, you know, typical, uh, did you renew your license on time? If you didn't renew your license on time, well, I mean, it is what it is. You're going to have to deal with it. And it shouldn't be that big of a deal unless it's been quite a while. On the other hand, if they're asking you about, uh, you know, your your practice, uh, uh, something happened at work, and some 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 of uh, your cohorts are filed a complaint against you, and they're making allegations that uh, you're not competent, or there's some problems like that. Uh, at that time, at that point, I think it's wise to kind of seek an attorney who does this kind of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to kind of be in the middle here, be your mouthpiece, make sure that the investigation is being done fairly and there's there's no uh, abuse by the, the by the state. I mean, most of these investigators are pretty professional. I mean, they're, for the most part, very professional. But their duty is to find problems and... That's what they do. So if they if they're questioning you, and it's it's more than just a few quick questions, uh, then you probably should ask to stop the discussion and tell them you'll call them back and uh, seek an attorney. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple to, other uh, things uh, I'll go down the list. I, I, I know we're sure. kind of running out of time here. We got about two uh, minutes. This is uh, don't abandon your patients. If some if a patient made a complaint against you, don't say, "Well, screw you. I'm I'm not going <laughs> to deal with you anymore." You can't do that. You need to deal with the issue. Uh, again, seek advice on that. Um, if if they're the investigator is asking you questions regarding how you're practicing, are you complying with the law? Again, seek you know, seek help or read that statute, know the rules. Uh it's not exactly. an excuse to blame others. You can't say, well, you know, he screwed up, why you're why are you looking at me? I mean if if they're talking to you, uh they're either seeking your help to go after the other person or you might be the one that they're targeting. So until you know for sure, uh, you know, be cautious. Right, um, be cautious, be smart, get help, call an attorney, um, make, you know, maybe make notes, you know, be accurate, all, all of these things. Mike, how do people correct. get in touch with you to find more information um, or how should they contact you? Well, I can give you my number. My, my, my phone number is 773, area code, 631-4580. I am located in Chicago. I have a website that you can easily look up and find my offices. I have a couple of offices. I'm also a counsel to a bigger law firm where we pretty much do anything related to licensure and health law. And uh, yeah, that's about it, Nick. All right. Well, Mike, thank you again for your time today. I really appreciate you being on our program. Well, thank you so much, and I, I appreciate what you're doing for the public. It, it's always good to inform the public because oftentimes they find out about things after the fact, and uh, by providing this information ahead of time, you're doing a service, great service well, for the community. I thank you very much. I appreciate that, and that is why we do these shows. And I want to thank all of our listeners who tune in and also remind people to check out the Internet Radio page at nickaugustinepr.com where you can listen to and select from one of our many programs with episodes on embedded players on each of our sites. And um, we want to also thank you again for sharing our programs and your social networks. That's how people find our shows. And if you have a suggestion for an upcoming show or a topic or want more information about sponsorship or anything else, again, contact me, Nick, at nickaugustinepr.com. Website nickaugustinepr.com has a contact link as well. I thank you all for your time, and we look forward to seeing you next time.